are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, it's our one and only insider, Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Don't throw that on me because of all the... uh... (laughs) Well, I know you're hearing things, so... Yeah, I've heard a lot, Um, right? Um, No, 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 just... Okay, so... You know. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna pull back the curtain here, and we are we are recording this on Sunday evening. Everything is still up in the air, and we're gonna talk about all of it here. As we get into it, I'm gonna remind you here to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're really trying to grow over there. We're getting some new subscribers, trying to get those numbers up. Uh, follow us on Twitter, YWT Podcast, Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso. You guys know the drill by now. Okay, getting right into it. As we sit here at. 7.24 Central Time, 8.24 Eastern Time. Uh, on Sunday evening, Kevin Hayes is still a, still a Philadelphia Flyer. Mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo is still a Philadelphia Flyer. Travis Sanheim is still a Philadelphia Flyer. Scott Lawton is still a Philadelphia Flyer. But over the last 28, 30 hours or so, these are all names that we've heard as potentially no longer being Philadelphia Flyers. 28 is almost perfect. Uh, right. Anthony Sanfilippo put out a beautiful timeline article. I will be referencing that article throughout the show. Crossing Broad, mm-hmm. Anthony Sanfilippo, uh, at Ansan Philly on Twitter. Yep. He's the guy you need to be yeah. following if you're following I, this Kevin Hayes drama because uh, he's got at least four sources according to his article. <laughs> yeah, and hold the phone there. You, you, you're citing sources there? Is that, what, is that where you're well, going? Well, he you're mentioned where we... He mentioned four sources, and yes, we are citing sources because we are attempting to do some reasonable work here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cite your sources, kids. Anyway, as we sit here, Kevin Hayes, St. Louis. Kevin, mm-hmm. what do you know? What, do you, what is the latest up to the moment? Okay, so going off of a lot of – and I'm going to just nail them out, like kind of right up front here. Anthony Sanfilippo, as we said, Anthony DeMarco, um, also on the St. Louis side of things – Andy Strickland had some of the stuff really okay. early on, and Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic is another one who's gonna, like these four are probably really leading the charge. Uh, I want to, you know, I'll lump Charlie O'Connor in with Rutherford because they same outlet. They were kind of working together on something that broke it down a little bit, um, and that's kind of for the most part. That's 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 the kind of core group that's really been giving you good information there is some i don't want to leave out people on the d'angelo side elliot friedman's had some stuff on that pierre lebron's had some stuff on that yeah mostly i guess we need to just start from the beginning about what's out like kind of what's out there how this thing evolved and then yeah we'll get into tony d'angelo in a minute that is a little bit more cut and dried at this point right in time. and it well, seems and, pretty simple the kevin well, hayes stuff is still pretty up in the air well, and not only that, but I think that we like we're gonna obviously have to kind of give some commentary on where things are at and why things are kind of you know why Sunday has been the kind of day that it's been because because pretty early on in the day it was like okay listen the one's being worked on the other one might have a snag in the deal and then it was it's been ironed out and you're going well if it's ironed out then where's the announcement kind of right, right? like we're still sitting here going nothing is official no player has moved this week correct you know. Um, so I guess the the best place to start is is that the first report that was out indicated that there was traction around Kevin Hayes. Not really surprising because Specific, we can, specifically Kevin Hayes to St. Louis. And St. Louis, correct. Okay. Um, now, two things that I find interesting that go in hand in hand with this. Number one is that earlier in that afternoon, on Saturday afternoon, Nashville traded Ryan Johansson to Colorado. Similar type of move. A team has to eat salary. 
it wasn't going, you know, the, the player getting traded to Colorado by himself was not going to net a huge return. Right. So, like, you kind of understood where it was going. And honestly, the first thought that I had when I saw that trade was, I don't know what this really does for Kevin Hayes because there's a pro and a con to it. The pro is clearly a team like Colorado sat there and thought, well, it's better to take on a contract with two years left or maybe three than to try to sign a guy for six, seven years and spend the same kind of money. So sure. clearly that's what they were thinking. Um, then the con was if the only thing you're getting in return while retaining half of the salary on Ryan Johansson is, is the right, NHL player. No, is the rights to sign wow. him. No the rights, the rights to a borderline NHL player. Right. Then I don't know. Like I'm sitting there going, then what, what's Kevin Hayes going to get you? Like, Probably not much of anything because it's another year. The contract, you know, it's it's a little bit of a cheaper contract, not by much. It's less than a million dollars difference, but still, you're going okay. Like, it didn't make me feel very confident about anything involving Kevin Hayes in the immediate. And 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 quite frankly, go back to our show last week. I said I kind of thought that the day that we were going to find out something about Kevin Hayes was probably the second day of the draft. That was, that was, and that wasn't, that wasn't like I would, uh, that wasn't me hearing things or anything like that. That was, that was kind of just my gut feeling. Speculation on what vaguely he's worth. Right. That my thought process was that some, what he is potentially worth with not much leverage, knowing that kind of this is the end of the line here and knowing they're going to have to retain salary, but probably not wanting to retain half. Right. You start to play with, well, it's not going to get you much more than look, a third is generous, right? Like. Uh, that's what I was thinking. And, yep. you know, I don't so I don't know. I, I that was just my thought process, cause, because let, let's be clear about something right off the bat. And this and this goes in line with the reports that we've been seeing and a lot of the information that's been coming out. There's the potential for a first round pick to be in this deal. Now, obviously, I think that some of the things with the first round pick don't hinge on Kevin Hayes alone. I think that they hinges right. on a bunch of the other pieces we're going to get into. But. I think it's a it's apparently obvious that Danny Briere's main goal right now is if I can get back into the first round, I'm going to find a way to do it yeah. in these three to four days that are left before we're there. You know, and for sake of argument, St. Louis has three first round picks this year, 10, 25 and 29. And obviously, right. okay, you're probably not talking 10 in this deal, but 25 and 29. And immediately also, again, my thought process goes to you may not really be looking to do anything with seven because seven's a good spot for you. I mean, it's going to be hard to move up to get one of the sure. top end guys in the top five trading back, maybe get, you know, maybe it'll get you back into the second, like you hope to, but I don't think it's going to do anything like late first for you or anything like that. Um, so, but for for the record, I could see if you did end up with two picks in the mid to late twenties, I could see a package in those to move up into the. Teams. Well, that's what my thought was. Yes, right. that you could then potentially say, well, listen, if you get to seventeen, eighteen, and you've got twenty two, twenty five, or twenty two, twenty nine, maybe you can work a deal there. Maybe I don't know. I mean, we'll see where that goes. But for now, I mean, like for now, I mean, obviously. That's all. That's all speculation at this point about what sure. even even what pick it is. That's not even really reported, right? So, really, there wasn't much to it in the early going. It was okay. There's the chance Kevin Hayes is getting moved. That's not really surprising. And okay, St. Louis is a team that 
I, I think unsurprisingly is looking for center, like for centermen who can play in the middle six and, and give you something. Okay. Yeah. Obviously there's other hurdles to work through this, you know, the salary retention and what comes back and all that. But I wasn't really thinking it was some big blockbuster deal. I kind of just thought it's Kevin Hayes is getting moved. You've got a dance partner. What, Great. You know, Let's do some, well, you know, what, what right. more could you ask for? It seems like the writing's been on the wall and just like Hayes, had kind of said in his exit interview, we'll probably find out more around the draft. Well, we are within a week. Here we are. Yep. And seems like here we go. Right. And then all of a sudden, one of the next reports that comes out. And I'm, I'm going to try to make sure that anything that I kind of. Uh, that I give credit to where it's due. But again, it's probably one of the five at the beginning. There was a lot of stuff going on. So let's just just bear with me on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've all been distracted this weekend. It is full blown distraction. Well, all right. So surrounding well, in fairness, all right. So the next here. like the next one that I retweeted was was Rutherford. And, and he had he was he's one of the first who had mentioned um, they're working to finalize a trade for Kevin Hayes. The Blues are um, appears to be several elements involved, which takes time, but could be done today. But that's the first real mention of several elements, not just player for pick retention, like several elements was like kind of hinting at whatever. And and then it really started to pile on because, you know, Sam Filippo says it's going to be several names from the NHL roster included. You had I think I think Strickland was the one who put out like the tweet about how Lawton and Sanheim and D'Angelo were all available. There were rumors about a deal involving up to four roster players. Right. Now, now see, here's the thing. The tweet that had Lawton, Sanheim, and D'Angelo listed as kind of available in there was done very vaguely because I like you wanted to laugh and go in it in trades in general, because like, yeah, that's kind of been out there a little bit that they were, you know, no one's off the table. Danny's listening, right? Well, Danny's listening. We kind of, we already had talked about specifically last week. We had talked about Lawton and D'Angelo specifically. Sanheim was kind of a newer one, but, uh, but I think that there's an understanding of why they would consider moving that contract. So, all right. And then it kind of, all of a sudden it was like, like the realization hits, like, no, we're talking same deal. And that's yep. massive if it was all the same deal. Enormous. And this is, by the way, this is all without the mention of anything from St. Louis. Other than, <laughs> right. Other than a first-round pick, probably. Yep. That was the only thing that was really being talked about. So you have all these different you know, directions coming at you, know, all these different things coming at you in terms of who could be in the deal, you know, things like that. And then it kind of, as it filtered itself down, the story became Hayes and Travis Sanheim from the flyer side of things with salary with salary retained on Hayes yep. for a first round pick, one of probably the later two, yep. 25 or 29. And what was believed to be Tory Krug because, right. it, it, because it was basically, it was like, Hey, there's probably a defenseman in the deal. Somebody's right. got a no movement clause. It wasn't, and it wasn't like four of their five of their six defensemen have no movement clauses as far as St. Louis goes. The entire well, of, defen- the entire core has a no movement clause. Right, and well, basically. one of the and one of the things that right off the bat, like from the beginning, when it was just there's traction between a deal with Hayes and St. Louis. One of the first things that was mentioned was St. Louis is not on Kevin Hayes's list for no movement clause, so it's not going to be his no move clause. Right. So his no move clause doesn't even come into play. Travis Sanheim has a no movement clause that kicks in when the contract starts on July, on July 1st. 1st. So that's not a problem either. So well, it's any, not a problem, but it yeah. does put a timer on this trade. Well, it's not. Yeah. It, well, no, or you know what I mean in terms of right as of Saturday of this week. There's still a week to go. But while that's we still sit here up. on Sunday night and the deal's not done, you know, you start. No, but it's not the hold up <laughs> right now. 
right. not the hold up right now. He like that's not what's that slowing this down. Yep. So all attention starts to direct to it's somebody on the St. Louis side, and and all of a sudden, like here again, you got two St. Louis guys reporting on this, and as and they're basically just knocking them off one after another. Well, it's not Pareko. It? Well, it's, it's not Pareko and Letty. Right. It's not Justin Falk. So you start and and Marcus Scandella has a, or Krug. and Scandella has a modified and the Flyers are not on his list. So okay. now, like you've done, you've done it. You've cracked the code. We it, have we have Sherlock Holmes it. Like yeah. Um. So it it's pretty much Tory Krug at that point, and that's when everything kind of starts up. And it's like, well, Krug is not going to approve this. Even even if the ob- objective here is, he's not going to be a flyer. Like well, even, right. And, even and, if the long-term objective is he's getting flipped almost immediately. And once we heard it was Krug, and we almost immediately heard that Danny Breer was trying to work with Krug to figure out who he does want to go to and try to facilitate a trade there and kind of grease the wheels of the whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that, I yeah. mean, that, at this point in time, that's really where the St. Louis thing lies at this point. That I think at one point in time, this was a deal that and San Filippo kind of said this also. San Filippo had said that it was three players in the deal from the Flyers, which again you're putting one of Lawton or D'Angelo. I, I'm going to tend to lean D'Angelo there because of the fact okay. that, well, because of the fact that D'Angelo was so quickly involved in another deal, you know, or potential deal, pending right. deal, however you want to look at still it, still pending, still up may, in the air. Deal. Well, and this may be part of the reason why. Correct. You know, we don't know all the pieces involved here. And uh, I guess we can kind of briefly touch on D'Angelo because we've kind of come to him. Um, we'll come back to Hayes and kind of finish the story there. But it does seem pretty pretty clear at this point that Tony D'Angelo is going to end up back in Carolina. I don't know if it's completely clear yet because there's – and I'll, I'll explain why. That was this, this was the story that was out late last night kind of um, – you know, it's, Friedman had something on it first. And again, said it was probably not going to get done until Sunday, which is understandable. It was kind of later on kind of thing. And Pierre Lebrun doubled down on it. Same thing. It, this is probably where, where, where this is going. And I think th- th- the thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, just thinking out loud here, is so this morning when everybody wakes up, all of a sudden it's there's a snag in the deal. And... To me, there's only two possible explanations for what the snag in the deal is. And again, this is me just thinking out this loud. Is pure this is speculation. Correct. The two reasons why there would be a snag in the deal are, number one, there is something in the St. Louis deal that is not out there that he is still involved in in some way that they can't pull the trigger on the Carolina deal just yet, and that's the snag that has since been reported multiple times over that it was ironed out, whatever it was. Okay. So, but... That would have been one. But the deal's still not done, so. right? But but the other explanation was like all I could think about it in my head. I'm going is, what's the snag? Did Don Waddell sleep on it and then decide I don't want to do this anymore? Like that's that's the only other possible explanation. Like right, they're they're, they're not giving well, up any. Well, like Carolina, it it seems from the reports we've heard that it's a pretty straightforward swap. It's going to be well, D'Angelo, exactly. D'Angelo a, for a low level lottery ticket kind of prospect. Correct and. 50% salary retained on the Flyers end, which sure. let's put it this way. Whether you do that now or whether you wait until the deadline, that's what you were going to do anyway. Absolutely. So, you know, pl- and I, I, I kind of quote tweeted one of the trade report things 
and threw in like my two cents on the whole D'Angelo thing for one, you know, because we're almost up on a year of that, you know, since that happened in the first place. And, you know, kind of like I, like I tweeted, it's, you know, pretty much that was a mistake from the beginning. It didn't Correct. make sense at the time. It was a way too big of a package. The contract was big. And at this point in time, getting anything back, even getting, if it is getting your third round pick back would be a massive win. Well, and it's not going to be a pick per se, but like I'm saying, a, if you got one of the picks you traded for him back, any of them, it doesn't really matter which right. of them, it's probably a win. Well, and any and any, it's kind of almost anything at this point. Like a low level prospect, fine. Listen, yep. it's better. You know, while retaining the salary, it's better than the two alternative, which 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 are ride it out for the year and nobody takes him, no any matter more, what, and he gets or, to sit in your locker room all year, or, or buy him out. Which buying him out is it really a two year process? Yep. So as far as I'm concerned, if you can make this a one year process and then be, he's off the books, do it. You know, absolutely. Like, like I don't understand, not don't understand, but it's like, like it was, it's pretty obvious why the two guys that are at the center of these two trade possibilities right now are the two guys at the center. Yep. You know, it, it's not saying like, we talked about this last week. It's not saying Kevin Hayes isn't a good player and sure. you know, it's, and it's not saying that he's not good for a locker room. It's sure. It's the, it's the way it all kind of went down. And it's the way that it's going to be with, with Tortorella and it's the way, and it's the way the last couple years of that contract are going to look on a team that's on its way downhill. Well, especially while he's in his act, act Well, and actively feuding with the head coach. As far, you know, I mean, we can, again, speculation, so to speak, but, like, it seems like the writing's on the wall there. I agree. And, and well, in the same, like, listen, the same thing. You can tell, you can try to tell me all you want to. If there's no beef between D'Angelo and Tortorella, he, he was a healthy scratch for the final five games of the season. You tell yeah. me what that's supposed to represent. Right. That, like, that is, at minimum, a message. Sure. But. And that's the thing. So, like, right now, that... Though those two guys are different from the rest of the guys mentioned in anything right now because Absolutely. of the fact that it felt like it was obvious that they were going to be on the way out in some capacity. The only issue well, we're having here right now is where and for what and when is it getting done? Is it getting done? Like, there's a lot of questions about that type of stuff, but I don't think it was any question that this was like these were two things on the to do list. You know, yeah. you're, everybody well, who watched this team last year knows that these two players need to be off your roster. Well, and, and I'm sorry, like, to, again, go back to what the head coach told you. Addition by subtraction. Like, I, I think that there were a couple people in mind when you say something like that that the coach is thinking of and his own actions kind of back it up. The, the thing that kind of is, you know, because we, we had these conversations for weeks leading up to the end of the season. And now we're kind of getting into the real meat of the offseason where stuff happens, right? And we kind of went back and forth with a bunch of other names. And, you know, maybe at this point it's a good time to uh, go into this part because this is yeah, all of the yeah. other guys that like, hey, what do we know? Where is it all at kind of stuff, right? Um, if, you know, from one week till now, I think my thoughts have changed a little bit on, on some, of these guys, some of these guys being mentioned. Okay. Like, like, for example, Travis Sandheim. You think it's pretty likely he's gone at this point? It's not that it's pretty likely it's going to happen because obviously a lot has to happen to make a trade happen. As we're seeing right now, sure? obviously it, we're on day two of trade watch for all of this stuff. But like, I, I just get the sense that, you know, how let's put this way. If Tory Krug waves the no trade clause, 
yesterday. Yeah. Is, is the deal done? Because yeah. if it is, then Travis Sanheim wouldn't be a flyer. But How? while this is up in the air, what's the likelihood that he – like? You got to think about the guy who's just sitting there who probably had, has some idea that his name is all over this right now and is thinking, um, I get like, I get like, like, I, like, I feel like Briere almost feels a little bit more of an obligation now to move this while he can because it's while the no move does isn't kicked in yet. Well, so. I, I was just about to ask, have you ever seen a player sign an eight year extension with a team and then get traded before it kicks in? Like, and I, I'm not talking about a sign-in trade. Like, those happen on occasion. But no, I, I mean, you mean, a situation like this where you sign this player with, I, presumably in good faith, to keep him for eight years. You want him to be part of your roster. You're, you know, he's a guy that we've always kind of looked at as one of the members of the core. Yeah. And here we are, you know, less than a year later, and, and I mean, he's on I, his way out. I got to like. du- double-check this because I don't completely remember, but... He was in the like a, a topic we might get to way, way, way down the line here in the show. Um, when the Flyers he did was a jer- in the video, right? Yeah. They did a jersey reveal this week for what the jerseys are going to look like next season, and he's in the video. And you kind of use- that'll that'll age like milk if he's gone. Well, I, I, I you know what? Yes and no because they're going to have to reshoot at least his part of it. I well, I don't know because you did what you wanted to do. He was still a member of the team the day Maybe. that it came out. I don't think anybody thought at the beginning of this week that his name would get more traction than maybe uh, you know maybe some of the other names we have written down here. You know, Scott Lawton and Travis Konechny were we were talking way more about them than we were Travis Sanheim at the yep. end. You know, at, in last week's episode. The other two, just real quick to that commercial. The other two in that commercial were Tippett and Tippett and Deloria, I think. Which it was, it was Deloria in the black jersey. Right, 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 right. And that's we'll get into all that later. Yeah, anyway, we'll just, so but. But like that's what I'm saying. Like I kind of wonder if there's almost like this sense that it's it, like you got to do this right now. Dan, well, let's this way. Regardless of what the details are in the reports and hearing things and all that, regardless of all of that, okay, Hayes and D'Angelo, we knew were kind of on the like I said on the to do list, so to speak. But you're watching Danny Briere do more than just house cleaning here. Danny Briere is almost like trying to push the reset button in a very intense way in terms of like, think about this for a second. We've been saying for a while, like maybe you don't go back as far as the Kevin Hayes trade and then signing him to the contract that he's currently on, because that did have some moments. The first year, obviously nobody was was disagreeing with it. And two years after. And and we can play the what if game on, you know, if Nolan Patrick's healthy, does that contract look better and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah, well, we've done, it, we've do done it. it a thousand times. And right? and I'm not trying to do it right here. No, for sure. But, but what, a, you know, but the D'Angelo deal or the Sanheim contract extension, those are things that last year we were sitting there going, what are you trying to do exactly? You know, yeah. you're you're not going to be a great team this year. And I, like, like in a weird sort of like. Believe me, we had re- we had our reasons for disagreeing with the D'Angelo trade sign and trade thing, you know, and 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 I'm not. But to, then like, he showed up on the ice and he was terrible. Well, for half the season. Well, that was part of the reason why I didn't think it made sense because I I kind of knew what was coming when he played on this team versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Because but, you, tr- you traded Shane Gostisbehere and assets to get Shane Gostisbehere. It's to an extent, yes, and well, okay, they're, the, so they're the same player. Pretty close. I mean. Uh, Gossesper probably has a little bit more defensive prowess, to be honest. And D'Angelo probably has a little bit more offensive prowess, to be totally honest. So it okay, probably balances, it out. balances out. 
Um, but you get what I'm saying is you traded assets I, to get rid of ghosts to make I'm room say, to get ghosts. Okay, where I was going with it was is maybe not at five million dollars per, but I I, I even kind of can understand a two year contract for a defenseman that you think sure. maybe you can put next to Ivan Provorov at the start of last year. I if can you understand give him two three years. and a half. I but I can understand a two year right. term. Yeah. Like 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 I didn't have any problem with. Oh, no, I shouldn't say I didn't have a problem with. I, I did have a problem with the Sanheim contract extension because it felt like we knew where it was going and you just took one of your trade chips off the table at the deadline this past year. That was number one. But at least I, like, I knew what they were trying to look at when that goes down. It's okay, look how you know, he's still younger. I think, like, what? Because before last season really got underway, he was still 26. He's 27 now. He was 26. You're making a long term commitment to him. You're thinking that. You know, let's put it this way: we, you're getting the rest of his productive career. That's not even that's not even what you're thinking. You know what you're thinking? You're th- you're sitting there thinking that you just hired John Tortorella. You've got all these other things, you know, in place. You're th- and you're sitting there leaning on. Well, if Sean Couturier plays and Cam Atkinson plays and Ryan Ellis plays and all that stuff, like that was. Let's be real about what Chuck Fletcher was saying all along. If everybody was healthy and everything was this, then maybe we have a decent team, right? Like if, that's ifs and buts were candy and nuts. Pretty much, none of it matters, right? But, 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 isn't it isn't it so interesting to see? Because what did what I said this a lot last off season. I don't know what their plan is. Hope, you know, hope that these guys are okay, right? Like I look at everything that's out there right now, from the Hayes potential, from the potential of trading Hayes to the potential of trading D'Angelo to Sanheim being in one of these deals or in a deal of his own to at the discussions that involve. That involve Lawton or and or Konechny or whatever the case may be. It's kind of settled in the last little while, but you get the point. Um, I understand all of it, because and, and then I, the Ivan Provorov trade. We understood all of it because it seems like the, there's Danny Briere is giving you a very clear sense of direction, which is yes. clean house pretty much. I mean, for a guy who told you he wasn't going to tear it down to the studs, he's coming pretty damn close. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I know you were a person who was kind of in favor of maybe not necessarily tearing it down to the studs. And I think a lot of the direction of this rebuild is going to depend on what this Kevin Hayes move looks like. Is it just a first-round pick? Is it a pick and a prospect? Is it, you know, like, what what is going on here? Are we tearing it down to the studs, or are we getting a team in within the next two to three years, basically? Right, and well, and, and I think that like there's there's elements of things that you saw from last season, and and uh, like obviously you can look at a full season like Noah Cates had or Owen Tippett had and say, okay, there's something to work with here. You can also look at the small sample size Tyson Forrester gave you, or look at. You you even want to go smaller sample than that? Go look at the world championships that Cutter Gauthier had and say, listen, there's stuff there that you're going to want to keep around. I'm, okay, he, he, not not as small as the Cutter Gauthier sample size, but Sam Harrison playing like he did in goal. You're sitting there going, okay, yep. at least there, there's it's not like there's stuff that you don't have the ability to work with. Right. So I don't expect them to tear it down to the studs like that, but, but I, I'm just like, it's interesting because I've seen this a lot. In the last couple of days, and like people have tweeted this as a joke, and I understand why people are tweeting it as a joke, but I think you're also learning it a little bit firsthand as well because a lot of people are tweeting the making trades is a lot of hard work reference again. Yeah, yeah. And I and, and to an extent, you're seeing it because obviously we're on 
what we're going we're, by hour time, 30 right we're like 30 hours into this whole saga of something might be happening or you know at least this part of it will probably happen but this part could be up in the air etc etc right like, and, and so by the way happening. we will still circle back to kevin hayes and the st louis blues here in a minute because we, well, we never wrapped that up <laughs> okay yeah um, i don't know what we didn't wrap up about it but um well, I was going to mention the fact that we, um, at this point, we've talked about Krug, you know, waving his no trade clause, maybe not waving his no trade clause. We don't know where that sits at the current moment. Um, right. I know, you, I know you mentioned something uh, right before the show that sounded a little shifty, but that maybe he was considering uh, waving it. The um, problem but as, is there's so much being thrown around. You just don't know right now. Well, of course. Um, the one thing I will say that I do agree with with that is is that I don't like I don't think any report that says he's not waiving it right now right. is completely final at this moment because the biggest piece that you're talking about right now, grand scheme of things, because even the Sanheim portion of this, if the Sanheim thing is before the no move kicks in on July first, right. I still don't think that that's where you're worried about. You're, the timeline really is Wednesday because that's fair. You're talking about a first, you're round, at first pick. round picks, right? That's I think what matters. So. I don't think Danny Briere is like chalking it up as a loss here if nothing got resolved yesterday, today, tomorrow. Like Danny Briere's probably sitting there saying, by all means, let's go into Tuesday, let's go into Wednesday morning with this if we have to. Like Well and I did want to mention, I think just seeing what Danny Briere is trying to do here, like we've we've talked about him kind of taking some big shots and maybe tearing it down pretty pretty heftily at this point. I want to praise the aggressiveness, the creativity, right? We've already seen a three-team trade. We're talking about maybe trading four roster players. Right. We're, we're talking about salary retentions. We're talking about this, that, the other. We're talking about every option under the sun. Mm -hmm. it, with all due respect, was Chuck Fletcher capable of any of that? Well, I, and I think that's the thing, right? Like, Because this is where I'm kind of coming from, from, from the Danny Briere side of this, which yeah. is pump the brakes a little bit on stuff because like if you really think it's possible that okay Ivan Provorov's already done right okay. we got that out yeah. like that's out of the way we've already talked about what happened with that and he's you know he's been Provorov was in Columbus earlier he already did like introductory stuff all that's that weird. It's yeah. no, but it's done it sure sounds like Kevin Hayes and Tony D'Angelo are going to be part of this but but can you imagine like if you go through this whole thing and go it's Provorov Hayes D'Angelo Sanheim Lawton we're going to, you know, moving this, moving that, and then getting all these draft picks back. It's going to be pretty remarkable if, like, you did that oh, yeah. much work in two weeks, basically. Yep. But trading people's hard, guys. I, I think I think that the clear, like, you know what I think it is? It You know you know when trading people is hard? Trading when you sit there and wait for people to call you. These well, moves feel like moves that Danny Briere is calling and saying, hey, Doug, I have Kevin Hayes here. How about a first-round pick? Well, I, maybe not that much, but I feel like you no, know what I, I mean. No, I do know what you mean because what you what you mean, like what you're getting at, is is that it's hey, I have Kevin Hayes here. We're willing to retain salary, and what if I threw Travis Sanheim into the deal? He's doing things. He's doing his job. Yeah, he's working. I mean, he is he working, is attempting to make the Philadelphia Flyers organization better. Because we, well. Well, and I'm going to because well, I'm going to tell you right now. The reason why you're feeling that way is because rather than trying to make trades where like 
so many of Chuck Fletcher's trades, when you go and look back on it, were designed to try to make the team better in the here and now. Yep. When in and either involving or centered around, I don't want to call them marginal players, but overvalued players. Let's fair call enough. It that. Like, fair enough. like I'm not trying to sit here and tell you Erasmus Ristolainen's a marginal NHL player. He's not. He's he would be on every NHL roster because every team would sit there and say, "I can find a place for him." But right. but let's be real about where he would not play on most money. teams. And, and how much money he would like, right? Let's be real. And the about assets how, you're willing to trade. And what down. you're willing to trade for him. Exactly. Yep. So that's the problem was you're trying way too hard to make a trade. Like, is that the pro like, and I'm not, again, I'm speaking out of pure speculation and I'm not trying to harp on something that is long in the past at this point. I mean, even though it's, we're only three months removed from it at roughly, but is that is that the thing with James and Reams like when you're trying to trade that at the deadline that you're so focused on? I got to find a way to do something that really makes us better now. And if it's not going to be, you know, even if even if it is draft picks and if right. it's not going to be 2023 20, picks in the higher rounds, like sitting like when he sits there and tells you I couldn't even get a fourth for him. Well, then, you know, so you're just walking away from the table because that's the way that it is. Like sometimes you got to accept better what than you're nothing. willing to but well, but it's sometimes you got to accept what you're gonna get for him, and sometimes you got to do something like what Danny Briere's already done and go, all right, if I'm gonna get something substantial, like get back into the first round of this draft, I'm gonna have to trade Ivan Provorov. There's no yep. way around it. I'm gonna have to do it. And that's you know like, and that's that's why you're hearing Travis Sanheim. That's why you're to an extent hearing Scott Lawton. I don't know that you know, like, and it was funny because. I, I got a text about, and this is not for like with information, but a text about, just like see this thing about Lawton being on the table for St. Louis and a, a first and second being offered and, and being turned down. And I turned, I, I even said, I don't think that was true. Right. Because, Scott Lawton would be, man, you put him under Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube. Oh my God. Well, it's not even that. If you got offered a first and a second for him, what no, are you doing? No, of course you take it. You take right. It, like you should be taking it. But, but then again, I also thought about him like, okay, timing is everything. That's that report, which I don't, which didn't have near as much substance. I don't obviously. believe. Yeah. Well, no, but that report was out on Thursday, which happened to be the day that Danny Briere did his pre-draft media availability, right. and was sitting at the table telling you, you know, if somebody wants to offer us another first rounder, we'll take it. Like, that's not an accident. And, no, but right. Then if it's if it's right there for you, then why aren't you making the trade? I don't care how much he think, would make that trade. Right. Like I don't care how much you think Scott Lawton helps the rebuild from a like older player from a mentoring standpoint. You want another first round pick or not? Some if it's there, you take it. So right. that's why I didn't buy that. But, and I think and I think he's working really hard to do. Uh, like obviously, I mean, he's working really hard to try to get somebody's first round pick here. Well, yeah, and what I wanted to mention about just circling back on Krug is that um, if it seems as though if he doesn't waive his no trade, and again, it's still a little fuzzy on that here at the moment, uh, but if he doesn't waive his no trade, it does look like there is still a trade there that involves Kevin Hayes going to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. uh, it just it would uh, presumably not include a first round pick at that point, or the package would be different, or it would well, it would depend on the retention. You might be able to get a first round pick on Kevin Hayes if you're retaining literally half. Maybe the only issue that I and I from, thought about from St. Louis who has three first round picks. Well, I hear you. Trade the, only, the only reason that I don't like the idea of retain. I mean, the ideal situation would be that you retain thirty percent of Hayes's contract, which is 
I'm not kidding, is exactly 2.14. So you get the round number for the team that gets him at $5 million. And there's an element where I understand that. I even thought about it kind of hypothetically speaking of what if you retained 30 and got another team to retain 30. And then this way you're playing with 214, 214, and like 258 or something like that. And it balances itself out so that this way nobody's paying more than $3 million for him. And that's how you make it work. Right. And and I think it's true like an Anaheim or an Arizona. Or and I think there's still an element of that that's possible because I think that that's actually the type of thing you're going to try to do if, if Krug's the guy. Because if you're flipping him anyway. You're probably holding some of his money. Well, that uh, also. Probably not. Never mind. No, I think that that's a possibility if you're flipping him, honestly. But, with four years left on his deal. Well, that's though. why I don't like it because I don't. A, <sighs> you only get so many slots. You know, you get three slots of retention. You're one, already. If, if one is Hayes and one is Krug for. And one's De, no, and one's D'Angelo. And one's now, D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Now, D'Angelo is only for the rest of this year, but it mean, but like, what did we talk even about? going into next year, you only have one. No, but what did we talk about after the Provrov trade? Sean Walker's a prime trade deadline candidate yep. if he plays well, and one, you can't even retain half of his salary if that's the case. And, and we've they've talked about the fact that that's Too basically much. all they're going to be doing on free agency day too is got, sign in guys who they intend on trading at the trade deadline. Probably filling out the roster like right. that. I I would imagine. Sure. Um. Oh, by the way, speaking of filling out the roster, and this wasn't even an, an NHL move, but comical how yesterday all this stuff is happening, and then the and on top of that, by the way, the Blues announced a signing. <laughs> yeah. And then the Flyers come out and hit you with. We've agreed to terms with Louis Belpedio on a two-year, two-way contract. Man. And everybody's sitting here going, come on. Like, we're waiting for something for the other thing. And I don't know where he's from, but you can't tell me Louis Belpedio is not from Delco. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Hey, hey, you know Louis Belpedio? Yeah, I know Louis Belpedio. His dad runs a (laughs) sub shop down the street, you know? (laughs) I, I, I got to admit, I appreciate that. That's that's pretty funny. He absolutely went to Archbishop Prendergast. Come on. <laughs> he, did, he did not, but um, he comes from his hometown. He oh, was Bonner, born, I'm sorry. He was fine. <laughs> um, his, his hometown, he was born in Skokie, Illinois. Oh, that's not far from me, actually. That's really, Is it really? Yeah, I don't in think Co- it's Cook County. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay, never mind. It's up in Chicago. Then. Never mind. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um... All right. Okay. okay. It, it kind of took. It, um, it, this kind of steals your thunder, though. Apparently, it was a German farming community, not an Italian. Like, oh, so he's <laughs> Amish? Okay, that's even better. <laughs> um. Anyway, back to the back to. The, so, was there anything else to wrap up on the Kevin Hayes side of things right now? Um, I don't think so. I, you know, as of this current moment, he is still, you know, like I mentioned in start the show, he is still a Philadelphia Flyer. We do not expect that to be the case by our next show, which also a little programming note here. We're looking at probably about 10 days. We're looking at doing a show right after the fourth, kind of cover all our draft, free agency, etc. But yeah, I'll talk about, about that at the, the end. Week after the draft is a really good time to kind of. Yeah, these things together. Four um, or five days after free agency opens. So real quick time. before real quick before before we move on and start yeah. talking about a few of the other names that are in here, we've already kind of really touched on Sanheim and Lawton a lot. Yeah, we've hit the big and, ones. And, and there's really no traction on Lawton, I, but I do want to mention Konechny and Hart before we move on from sure. that. But before we do that, since we're getting off of the Hayes and D'Angelo stuff right now, as long as we are on recording this episode, yes, 
there are uh, like eyes are on any happenings. If something comes through in the immediate that we can react to, we will do it as yes. we're recording. Obviously, we are re- we are refreshing Twitter frequently. It is it is full blown distraction season in here. Like we are we are we have other tabs open. Let's put it that way. Sure. <laughs> is, it, is it as distracting as warm up jerseys? You know. Listen, those can be pretty darn distracting. And this is a good time to mention um, the NHL actually came out with a press a statement. We don't even have a, a graphic well, for it, this. It, no, but it, um, it wasn't that they came out with a statement or anything like that. Because the, the, Well, the, you're right. That's the fine, line right. you're talking about was Bettman Elliot was Freeman, speaking. He interviewed Bettman. Yeah. And it had to do with anything that came out of the, I guess, the Board of Governors discussion. And the, TL, they, the meet, TLDR is that the jerseys have become a distraction. And that the theme nights are continuing. There will still be Pride Night. There will still be Military Appreciation Night. There will still be Indigenous uh, Heritage Night, whatever they're mm, referred to fights, as. Cancer night, Hockey Fights, Cancer stuff. Night. All those nights will still exist. Uh, but teams will not be wearing jerseys, special jerseys in warm-ups. Right. Uh, and that, that and is Harry Bettman's exact word was distraction. Distraction. and Which... It, which, goes, which, it, it goes really well when you consider we had a blockbuster on Saturday afternoon, Anthony, or, you know, blockbuster discussions on a, a Saturday afternoon. Anthony Sanfilippo was trying to cover a Phillies game and break news at the same time. He had a hell of a day. I will once again mention his Crossing Broad article that was incredible. We'll link to it in the comments here. Um, it's been a distracting weekend. And... Nothing quite as distracting as these jerseys, of course. So you know, I guess, uh, apparently so. Uh, they've they've gotten rid of those scheduled scheduled loss for the NHL. But so well, that no. so that no player feels uncomfortable or pressured into wearing whatever, whatever. You already know because you don't even have to finish the freaking if, sentence. If you've been listening in, to this right. show for more than thirty seconds, you know how I feel about all these subjects. Um, if you, if you listen to the last thirty seconds and heard what I said, <laughs> you know how I feel too. Right. Sketched they're right there and and they will still be um, a couple players will be like wearing jerseys and taking pictures of them and they will still be auctioning some amount of jerseys off. But no, they will not be worn on the ice during pregame warmups. Um, so if we're on jerseys, do we just want to touch on the, the new flyer jerseys? Um, we did we, mention it a little bit you know earlier. What? We'll, do, we'll do it right after I do a couple quick footnotes on these last. Yeah, 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 for time. sure. Because, because really, I, and maybe this is because when you're juggling so many things in other possible deals, you don't really hear much about the guys who don't have a lot of active traction at the moment. Right. Um, I like, so I'm going to get the Travis connecting stuff out of the way really quick because pretty much there's been not much mentioned about Konechny lately um that being said i still think like obviously i still think he has a lot of value and i again i kind of go back to the ryan johansson kevin hayes kind of conversation here a little bit in terms of if free agency is not going to be a big hotbed for like changing your team around then i can totally see a team that calls danny briere and says hey connect me two years five and a half mil per what do i have to do you know like I don't see any reason why you wouldn't at least attempt. And I, again, listen, I'm sure for Briere, that's a hard sell because you like what he gives you and you see progress. You know, you see him being an all star level player, especially on a team that doesn't have a lot of star talent around it. But okay. And let's kind of also go to the Carter Hart stuff really quick to kind of put some of that to bed because as long as we do not have a resolution with the Hockey Canada stuff, 
it seems unlikely it's probably we're not happening. Transaction. Yeah. Um, so I would pretty much say for sure and certain, do not expect a trade of Carter Hart in the next week. Um, no, and it certainly seems as though those results aren't going to be made public for several weeks at this point. We're, they'll probably be buried at some point in the summer when people aren't paying attention. They'll try. Because you that's, mean, you mean that's they'll how try. the NHL, it, Scheduled loss. Let's be honest. They're, Scheduled they're, loss. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, this will not come out when Elliot Friedman's at work. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, but in, anyway. like you said, like you said, until there's a resolution on that, we've seen it with other players from that team. It's just so difficult to do anything with those guys because everything is possibly yeah, on fire. Right. Yeah. It's just completely up in the air until you know for sure and certain. Because the and, last thing you want to do is trade for a guy and have that report come out and name him. And sure, exactly. You're that um, organization. But that's the that's the quick portion of it because you've got, you know, the Sanheim stuff is very much active at this given moment, as we yes. said. And Lawton, I think there's, you know, again, as much as it's a tough trade for the Flyers because you can see him being a mentor. I love Scott Lawton, but I'll be stunned if Scott Lawton's still a Flyer on Friday. I'm getting to that sense too because it just yeah. feels like there's too much noise going on now. Like and it, it the really noise on Hart obviously died down while we still wait on Hockey Canada stuff and all that. But like, there's not even that much noise around Konechny right now. Like, to be fair, that's noise that could you don't like you don't have to trade Travis Konechny this week. Not right now, no. You could trade him on July fourth. I mean, yeah. like seriously, you could get through the first couple days can, of free agency and find it. out that that's better than you can somebody who's available. February twenty fifth. Year and a half left. Come on, I hear um, you. I, I look. That's distinctly. You know. You know what though? And the reason why I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. But the reason why I'm thinking like such short term right now is because I think this is why Danny Briere is so active. Because I agree. There's a recognition of this might be as good as everybody is to the rest of the league, and with that, you know. And while they're not going to play another game, step on the ice for another practice, take the chance of getting injured, yep. getting this, you know, whatever the case may be, you well, know, you're, go you're going off of complete thousand percent track record right now. And, and by doing so, you may get the best value in return that you will get for any of these players right now, especially like, like we said, like, especially with the Hayes Sanheim kind of potential here that was, listen, if, if, if Hayes Sanheim together to a team like the blues, get you a first round pick again on Wednesday, you do it. Yep. Uh, one thing that I will mention that does muddy the waters for Travis Konechny a little bit is the fact that um, Calgary looks like they might be aggressively moving some pieces. They might be, I don't know about blowing it up, but like kind of aggressively retooling and stuff like that. Some of the assets that they might be turning around might fill some of that same trade market that Travis Konechny is in. So that you it's might be bidding yeah. you might be bidding against the Calgary Flames a little bit here in terms of you know maximizing value on your assets. Well, that was that was also always an element with Carter Hart as well because sure. it, like well, there's goalies all over the market. Right. You couldn't look at Carter Hart and then ignore the fact that like hey, John you know, Gibson's on the market. Connor, Connor Hellebuck might, might be available. available. Jacob Markstrom like, might be available. Right. Uh, yeah, the goalie market. Like, you can't wild. look at those guys and not, like, Hellebuck's the biggest example to me because Hellebuck is a Vesna winner. You're sitting here, He's like, the I'm top sorry. three goalie in the world. Right. You can't go and look at a guy who's an, a, truly an elite goalie and go, well, he's not going to have more of an attractive market than Carter Hart, who is 
capable starter, has elite moments, but yep. isn't consistently elite. So you've got to go to the the consistently elite guy is going to get bigger return and get more attention. It's Con- just the way it is. And Connor that's without to the LA Kings, by the way. And and that's without the hockey Canada portion. Like uh, even right. if that wasn't a thing, it still would be a tough market. For who Carter who Hart. would you rather trade for, Connor Hellebuck or Carter Hart, with the questions surrounding him? Well, because uh, like, uh, I, I think I think the questions surrounding him are more than enough to make up the age gap and the skill gap, frankly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I hear you. Uh, no, but I am interested. Like we're we're talking about these names on this list: Sanheim, Hartlot, and Konechny. We've already talked about Hayes and D'Angelo. Yeah. Is there a power vacuum in the Flyers' locker room next year? Like, if if let's say two of these guys go, let's say Sanheim and Lawton are gone because it kind of looks like that's going to be the case, and then flip you're a coin on Konechny or Hart. I say you're saying in addition to Hayes and D'Angelo. Too, Correct, right? Hayes and D'Angelo. I'm calling them out the door because it certainly all indications seem to indicate that. And if not, right. you can tweet at Ant San Philly and tell him he's wrong. Um, no, don't do that. I, I'm kidding. No, well, um, <laughs> I want I want to see the person who's got the you know what to do that if that's the case. Well. Yeah. I, because Ant seems to fully believe that Kevin Hayes will be a St. Louis Blue by the end of the week. Yeah, um, yeah and, but, I, and I agree with that. I think end of the week is also like t- by very, Wednesday. You know what no, I mean? But no, no, no. That's very conservative to do because it I, makes a lot of sense. Well, no, you know what? I don't think I don't think Kevin Hayes needs to be a St. Louis Blue by Wednesday by himself. Okay. That's like because I, I don't know that it's it, a first it could be Thursday. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I don't and, and why, that, no, but that's why I said last week. But by himself, he might not be worth much more than a mid-round pick. So is it time to start worrying about not having enough veteran presence in the room? And I'm talking real quality veteran presence. I'm not talking about Nick Delorier and Zach McEwen. No, I, got, I know what you mean. But um, like if, if Sean Couturier is not ready... And you know we, it's completely up in well, the air. The, with the state of this, that's the case. But well, with the state of this team's medical staff, I trust nothing. Sure, I understand where you're coming. Ryan, from. Ryan Ellis is still around somewhere. I think. Um, don't 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 rely on that one. Okay, sure, but you know what no, I know. I know it. No, yeah, I know what you mean. I don't trust this medical staff for, for anything. And if Sean Couturier is not there, who's the leader of this team? And I'm trying to look down the list right now because it's it's John Tortorella. Well, no, no kidding. Um, here's my two. Th- so I have two different thoughts on this because number one, obviously, you're mentioned, you mentioned you mentioned Couturier specifically, but I assume you're also looking at Cam Atkinson, who could be sure, sure back. But again, there's still a question. He didn't play last year, so there's a right. question nonetheless. Um, and but then he's you- also a guy who is here for one year before he got mm-hmm. hurt, and it's it's a different situation than Sean Couturier, who's been here for a decade and a half almost. At this no, point. I got you. Um, because you're well, because like, you're right. It's not going to be Ellis because Ellis is probably never playing again. Like we've already he been probably down, hasn't been down, met half these guys. We we we've already been down this road, so I'm not going into yeah. that. I mean, has Ryan Ellis met Noah Cates? I doubt it. I don't know. Um, I I mean, Ristolainen, I guess is part of that group because <sighs> like, again, but no, but no, but but again, it's like it's like Atkinson. They've been here for the same amount of time. Well, yeah, but Ristolainen was healthy for all of it. He was with the team. Fair anyway. enough. Like um, that's it's a different animal. Oh, so but this is why this is so this this kind of brings about my second point. And I, uh, I this isn't going to be a good like it's not going to be a good enough answer for what you want to hear because right. what you're what you're looking for is who's the mostly established flyer player who really shows you the ropes of being in this organization, right? 
I got something for when you're when you're done here. Go but for like, it. but like my other answer was going to be, I don't know. Ask me again after free agency when we see what kind. Like, because, well, because here's the thing: I don't know if it has to be Sean Couturier specifically because he's got ten years as a flyer. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I think sure, leaders get, lead with tenure aside. Well, no, which is which is kind of why again, you know, like it's why I brought Atkinson up, even though same because because Atkinson from an overall NHL veteran standpoint has the years he has the years to be that leader um he does not have the flyers years to do it like the way that you're talking about but but by that logic deloria has got those years i mean hell joel farabee's got those years a little bit to an extent that's fair. like that's fair. he's if, if you're looking for a like tenured player i mean if look if Konechny stays then certainly you've then got one with him yeah, absolutely um although quite frankly i feel like he hasn't been the same since nolan patrick left Personality wise, um, a little, a little. Um, like, like I felt like he was playing hockey with his best friend, and now he's not. But that's, but that's why I'm like, but that's why my answer primarily right now is, you know, like obviously, uh, I don't, there's not a good answer if you're looking for a guy who's been with the Flyers for a while. But my answer is, thank would be God, Chuck Fletcher. Thank God, Chuck Fletcher's not here, or else the Flyers would be trading for Blake Wheeler. Well. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm I'm gonna try to find. Now, give me a minute, because now I'm gonna go find the, the. Let me go find some of the other stuff here, because there was I saw uh, again trying to stick with our kind of core group of everybody who's got the most information about what's going on or whatever. I did see something about how Winnipeg was a potential pivot spot for Anaheim. Anthony Sanfilippo was talking about it. I think. Well, I think Demarco also kind of. Okay. No, 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 no. Demarco brought up first, and then Sanfilippo added like a oh, footnote enough. to it and even said the thing with because the thing with Winnipeg is they have the 18th overall pick Damn. may not be willing to part with it for Sanheim um you know but then but uh, let's just say as soon as I saw Winnipeg mentioned if you're trying to pry something a little bit more than what Sanheim's worth away don't you look at what they want to move and consider taking on something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's going to come up. It's going to have to like, and that's the only reason, like I don't have any other reason to bring up Blake Wheeler otherwise. Right. Like Blake Wheeler's got one year left on his contract at eight two five mil, which is uh, look, it's steep. I'm not saying it's not, but it is only one year. Like there's a big difference between they're not flipping Tory Krug somehow. Like if that's part of right. And then Blake Wheeler for a year. Right. But I, I look, I don't know. We, Wheeler could also be, you know, Wheeler's got all sorts of stuff going on anyway. Wheeler's got, what is this? So it's a modified no move clause that he's, so he's got a five team list, which is um, Canada. Probably. Uh, they uh, Any agent in the NHL will tell you most no trade lists if they're that limited five seven ten whatever it is a lot of guys have seven because it's the six canadian teams or the seven canadian teams but that's and if a guy and if a guy has an 18 list it's the seven canadian teams and arizona <laughs> any agent in the league will tell you but it's either just way. No, nobody wants to pay canadian taxes um but oh, I, yeah. wait, well, no I, what i was trying to make sure i understood was that it wasn't a thing where like Oh, okay. So list of ten teams, so it goes down to a list of five, I guess. Right? Is that what? Okay. List? Okay. So it's yeah. a list of five. So I mean, the options open. It might not be as complicated as it seems, like with a five-team list, and then same deal if you wanted to move them at the deadline to a contender. But 
Look, we're we're getting way ahead of ourselves if we're talking yes. about that. It's just it the the purpose of bringing it up was exactly what we're talking about, which is just there's a lot of moving parts. I did see the thing about Sanheim and Winnipeg being an idea, a concept, if you will. I mean, let's put it this way: Sanheim and Toronto was also a concept. Man, that would be I wild. don't. Oh, I don't. You know, I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to think of how that would, of what the reaction would be like. All of it. I don't know how. I don't know how. Toronto makes the money work on that, but I, oof. Oh, I hear you there. Because um, they do not have a whole lot of roster space. No, they do not. Um, all right. So real quick, that's by the way, that's everything we've got. We'll continue to look until the end of the show, um, just in case anything new comes out. Do we want to touch uniforms really quick first before uh, getting yeah. to the draft? Yeah, let's touch on those. So uh, we got a new uniform, and we heard about it about a day before it happened, and uh, we got the reveal video, and it's kind of like a blend between that '90s Eric Lindros era black uh, black piping jersey and the last home jersey, kind of that traditional, you know, orange front, white sleeves. But it does go back to the burnt orange. Um, it's interesting. Obviously, I assume most of our listeners have seen it by now. Uh, if you're listening to this show. Uh, if not, uh, you can find an image pretty easily. Uh, um, Ke- hang, Kevin, well, hang on a second. I'm gonna, oh. do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something for you. So you, you just keep talking for a okay. minute. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, Are you pulling up a picture? Are you throwing a I'm picture in here? To, okay. I'm gonna try to. Yes. Okay. So while Kevin pulls up that picture, I will talk about my feelings on it. Um, I think my biggest problem with the jersey is the printing of the actual numbers, and I believe also the name plates. Uh, because they're not going to be stitched on, they're going to be printed in, uh, and then also they will not be lined. Okay. Right, so the, the, if you're watching on our you, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, we uh, we have a video or a picture up on the screen at the moment. Um, I think, yeah, like I said, I think my biggest problem with it is honestly the numbers. I think the numbers on the sleeves, okay, look. look Beer league and awful. Right on the home jersey, you got your orange front. You have white shoulders, white sleeves mm-hmm. with black. They look like electrical tape black numbers, on, like okay. right above the elbow. So, so here, let me break down a couple of things really quick. And again, hat tip to Anthony Sanfilippo on this one. Yep. Um, because the understanding is that the obviously one of the first things that you notice when you look at this lineup of jerseys is the alternate is exactly the same. Yeah, and I. I want to put and, a pin in that. I want to talk. Yeah, I want to break down the jerseys first. But then oh, I we will. But like, that. like, what? But I like, because I'm, you know, I'm making this mention really quick, so we don't even have to talk about that jersey, other than the one element that's different about it, which was also part of the home jersey anyway. So we'll get into that. But sure, sure. San Filippo had written about them that there's probably a, a different version of this or a different alternate coming in another season. Like, okay, this is probably a placeholder for a year. They also, by the way, and not that I, not that we really needed Anthony to confirm this in, in an article on Crossing Broad as much because we kind of already know how this drill works. I mean, what what in February it's going to be what um, the fifth outdoor game that the Flyers yep. have played yep. so far. So you know a new jersey is coming for that event yep. specifically, and then they'll so, wear it a couple more times in the they'll season. They'll wear it at home. They'll wear yep. it at home once. I get that's probably what it is. They'll okay. wear it at home once because because the game is technically in New Jersey or in. Up, you know, near New York. No, it's in New Jersey. I, said I know. Near, I know. No, no. I know the Giants and Jets play there, but it's in no, no, New just, Jersey. I, I, yeah, okay, hold on. But that's uh, where I was going with that was 
because I said I'm saying near New York is in North yeah. Jersey because where yeah. I'm going with that is is that if you had something that was close to where the training facility is, that is close enough to the center that it's kind of homeish. For sure. like South sure. Jersey is homeish, so the fact that it is a game being played in North Jersey would indicate that and that and that by all, I I can only assume that by all accounts they will be the road team. To I assume so. their home game show. So there's going to be a home game where they wear whatever they wear for the stadium. Absolutely. Season. Probably against the Devils. But. All right. So let's go to these other two, the home and away really quick. Yeah. So I have, well, first of all, I, a thousand percent love, love, love the burn orange color. Okay. Me too. It is. Me too. It, it just looks right. It feels right. There's ev- everything about it. I think every is, late nineties flyer is coming through your head. Desjardins, Leclerc, exactly. Primo. Like, I, I think I think it looks good. It actually doesn't look as. I know that there's a lot of people that really like the piping that goes along the shoulder that like from the '90s version of this. I don't miss it as much as I thought I would looking at this. Um, and I wonder if that's because the the thing that I didn't realize that was different from the current to the ones that we are so familiar with from the '90s is the fact that the shoulder is wider. That the okay that the white over the shoulder or the orange over the shoulder is wider than it was on the other jerseys that they currently were wearing, which, yes. which does like, I can notice that. Like, I think it, that's it brings, it brings the shoulder down a little bit more for sure. And I, I actually kind of like that. I also, by the way, another change that I really, it's very subtle. I don't know if everybody would pick up on it right away. I like the all black collar. Yes. Cause that I was do like not the all black collar that like, stands out. Like you, you can see the one behind me, by the way, I pointed it the wrong direction, but you can see the one behind me, how, how it would have just blended in all the way around. It, it just blended in with the shoulders. And it was a very yeah. thin black band. I kind of like that way better with it. Things like that. Um, like, like the black stripe at the bottom. I think that that yep. ties it together really nicely as compared to the, um, the way that the striping was handled before. Um, so I like all of that. I like that. That works. Um, so the numbers, um, not as not as bad as I thought they were. I don't like that they're not two tone. Like there should be a border, an outline. So the thing here's 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 my thing about how the numbers look. They're gonna look fine on the ice on the official here you go jersey. Every oh, yeah. fan made jersey, they're electrical tape. For all intents and purposes, and I know not. But literally, I know what you mean because you're but the fact that you can't of. buy authentic jerseys, right? You can get close, but you, we're gonna get the crappy ones. That's just fanatics for you, but that's a whole different debate. <laughs> uh, but I did want to mention about the alternate. Okay. Obviously, they went with the the old stadium series, the the Pittsburgh Stadium Series jersey, the black with the orange, the thick orange band around the the bicep. Mm-hmm. The thing is, and I know it's probably the one that's coming next year, the one that I think you said Aunt uh, Aunt San Filippo is talking about. Yeah, I have to imagine this is what next year's alternate is going to be, but it's just so easy. It's just right there, right? You know a little bit about Photoshop, right? You mm-hmm. just you just where it's orange, you just fill that with black. Make it the same exact jersey, but on the home jersey where it's orange, that big orange swatch through the front, just make a black version. If you want to make the numbers orange, whatever looks good on the final product. But all you needed to do was a black jersey. Do you want to, you know something though? 
and this is really interesting moving forward because I just had a thought about this that changes the game just a little tiny bit. Okay. Okay. There's two elements to the jersey from the 90s to this version that are missing that don't look bad on the orange and don't look bad on the white. Okay. You One of which is the piping. Right. The piping is not completely necessary. I mean, I understand why people kind of long. I, I long why, like, for it, for sure. I, I know why people long for it. I'm just yeah. looking at it and going, okay, I understand how it's not. like Because let's be real about something. It's got to have a little bit of an element of difference. It can't be exactly the same. Come on. I mean, the jersey, the jersey they just wore was the same jersey they were in the 70s. With a different orange. But everybody hated that. If they had, if they had given us that jersey with the, with the burnt orange, we would have loved it. Well, but they didn't. And, and it's, it's a business. That's like, honestly, it's a That's business. What do you think that they like? They want to be able to They're make some money off them. of this and they, yeah. and they will sell them. That's, so well, speaking like, of making like, money off well, them. So it's not, a, okay. you know, so it's not a deal because uh, we'll get into that. I know where you yes. want to go. So that like the piping thing is not a deal breaker for me. I can see how it works without it. And there used to be also where the cuff is the black cuff at the bottom. Okay. There used to be an additional stripe that went over like where the sleeve was. Right. right? Which I will um, admit, on first seeing them, I really hated them not having that. Mm-hmm. I know I, we I, I, about I don't, it a little bit. Yeah, and I don't think, like, ultimately, I don't think it mattered later on. Like, it matters That's later fair. on. It, it does it's not look, a huge it, deal. It looks better in this still shot that I'm looking at here on the screen than it looked in the video. I'll be honest. Sure. And, well, and, and, and the other thing that you don't have anything to go off of is when they bring one out in person. Man. Because we haven't seen it. Ah. Uh, I, uh, it's going to be months until I see one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but my, so here's my problem with an all, like just replacing the orange with black for an alternate. Then where, aside from the actual orange that's incorporated into the logo, where's the orange? Because that black Jersey in years past had orange piping and had an orange stripe over the sleeve. And that's where it was. So where is it now? The collar. Um, I don't know about that. I think there's a way you do it. It makes it look good. First of all, I think you make the numbers orange. Um, you might have to line them in black just to make them more visible, but you put numbers in orange. Uh, you can also make that cuff orange. The cuff we were just talking about right well, there on the rest. So just hold on a second because I'm going, I'm going to go back because I'm, I'm, I want to find to make sure I remember every detail as accurately as possible okay okay so again yeah so it was an so it was an orange piping the orange stripe around the sleeve the numbers on the sleeve were over the white shoulders were were black outlined in orange right um so you you know what like you're probably onto something with orange numbers there even though like let's be real the orange numbers fit on the orange jersey and sure like, it, it, but then again, like you and you know why we're saying that, but like still, um, and other than that, like, so the only, as far as I can tell, the only elements of orange that you're going to find on a jersey like that, if that's if that's what they're thinking of doing, is the number on the back of the jersey will probably be outlined in orange. Yep. I, to be honest, one of the things I'm very curious about that I don't know how I would feel about moving forward is because one of the elements that they kept was the nameplate. Yes. That the nameplate is black with white lettering on the white jersey and white with black lettering on the orange the jersey. jersey. Yep. So w- I don't even know what a version of that would look like on a black jersey because it's always just been either. Probably white with black letters. 
or well or armed that or with won't, black letters. Either that or it won't have it because I think that the alt, the current alternate doesn't. I think it does. Does it not? Is it not? Oh, it's, orange? it's orange with yeah. It's okay, orange so with black lettering, right? Well, then maybe that's where the orange goes. I guess that's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking. Is you can get enough orange on there that it's recognizable, and it is an alternate jersey, right? Like it is supposed to be a little different. Sure. Now wait a second. Is this what um is is this supposed to be what they thought they were doing for this, or like because I just happened to find like a potential, I guess, a potential rendering, and sure enough, now that's an interesting concept. So a potentially orange like the numbers on the sleeve would be orange like you said um that's an interesting concept what if the cuff at the bottom was orange too instead of black yeah i I said that that's an option like yeah i think that you can get enough orange in there that you it's a recognizable flyer jersey and then and then the nameplate thing and things like that yeah i I guess i could see it i'm just i'm just curious all right so do you want to get to the other and, and i guarantee you by the way if the outside of the collar isn't orange the inside of it will be oh yeah 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 um, so you'll get your pop of color. But yeah, the other money-making revenue, other than just selling jerseys, uh, is that the NHL teams, as of a couple of years ago, also have the opportunity to sell a sponsorship patch on their jersey. And, uh, and we have seen the first uh, flyer sponsor jersey. Now, it is only on the home jersey. Um, but that's a... Uh, I can't... Home, yeah. I, I don't and know exactly... Yeah, I don't know exactly who it is, but it's a Blue Cross... Network. It, right? Independence, Independence Blue Cross. It is Independence Blue Cross. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, and there's a there's a reason behind it because obviously we're there's you know the new era stuff and there's a lot of new faces and all that stuff like that. So, in case you didn't know, Dan Hilferty used to run Independence Blue Cross. So okay, kind I was of not made, aware of that, but that makes a lot so, of sense. So it's only natural that you know there's a connection there, and it's pretty easy to make that your sponsor. So I get it. Um, the two, the two things, cause like I kind of shrug it off. I know people don't like it. They think it's an eyesore. I know. And I get, I get why I understand why. And I understand why, like, even if you're, even if you're of the, of the mind of, I know why they have to do it or why teams are doing it. Can you just blend it in with the rest of the Jersey? I would be fine with that. Right. If you change the color to it's, it's white, you know, I would totally a thousand percent understand that. It's, it doesn't match anything else when it's blue. I give you that. I understand where you're coming from. Otherwise, though, and I don't know, I don't know if people realize, as far as I, th- I think there's people out there that do realize it, but I think there's people who don't. Um, to my knowledge, anyway, the jerseys that you would buy don't have this. Unless I, be- you get, I believe that is the case. Unless yeah. you get one that is literally advertised as well, one ice version. Like we talked about earlier... It is impossible for fans to buy literally authentic NHL caliber no, know, jerseys unless they were made for a player. But this is what I'm saying because it it, it yep. almost cre- like it almost creates a third category. Yes, like it creates replica authentic well, and then on ice authentic, if you will. Obviously, this is a topic that's been explored before, but the NHL is not the first league to put ads on jerseys. It's been a thing in European leagues forever. It's been a thing in soccer forever. The MLS specifically, yes. Um, Not even MLS specifically. Look look at the Premier League. Every team has a sponsor on the front of their jersey where the crest goes. I know. I I, I feel like a lot of North American sports fans were introduced to this, though, through MLS because they were doing it. Like like the big... and, like the big ones, you know, like well, and big on the front of the jersey. Sponsors. Certain certain outlets give you the option to choose if you want a jersey with the ads or a jersey without the ads. And sure. the ones with the ads sell way better because it's what the players actually wear. It is. I, I think that they're, you know what? I 
I think so if you want to make a point and not be a billboard and you want to support your team without necessarily supporting their advertisers, then you can buy the non Sure. You know, the non ad one. Exactly. Um well and, and you know, like it was interesting, okay, because like this I'm not trying to go off on a tangent with this, but it's, it was a recent discussion because during the Stanley Cup final, there was a whole thing about where the patch was and virtue with the advertising and all stuff like that. And I like it's not even that's a dumb argument. I think there's such a simple solution, and I don't like the only explanation is money hungry owners because sure, which we know is the source of this stuff anyway. But sure, there's mind, an advertising revenue. But but, or, but in yeah. my mind, okay, let's let's just hypothetically speaking here for a minute because we already know where this is going to an extent. So the Flyers are going to play next season with Independence Blue Cross on the front of their jerseys 41 times, right? It's going to be 41 times. They're going to play 41 home games, and they're going to have that on their jersey 41 times. Right. They're not making the playoffs, you know, not by unless a miracle happens. They're not making the playoffs, Kevin. Right, I know. You can just say they're not. It's okay. I know. <laughs> um, but for a team that does, you, you know – Vegas, for example, because Vegas was going to be the easiest one. They were the home team in the Stanley Cup final. As a home team, as a top seed in a conference, you are guaranteed up to four home games in the first round. And you're then, guaranteed two, but well, two, you're, uh, two, but up to. Well, right. I said you're you right, can, right, right. Okay, you can have up to four. So no, so let's put it this way: if you're the team that gets to the Stanley Cup final, so you've gone through three rounds, you're into the Stanley Cup final. That means that bare minimum, you have played six extra home games, bare mi- minimum, and Eight, possibly right n- n- before the Stanley Cup final. Oh, before the Stanley. Okay, okay, sure, so, sure. sure. Um, so yeah. for the first three rounds, minimum, minimum min- six up to. So we up to twelve. Up to twelve, yeah. Yeah, so you get up to f- anywhere between two and four home games per series. Right. So anywhere between six and twelve extra games beyond what you anticipated having your sponsorship for. Do you really need the extra four to take away the integrity of the patch just sits on one side for the Stanley Cup final? That's and fair. It, like that was my argument toward that. I actually don't even care that they wear the sponsorship patch in the playoffs for the first three rounds. You don't get a patch for making the conference final. Right. So that's fair. So just once you get to the Stanley Cup final, was it really that necessary that we had to, you know? And maybe like maybe this doesn't matter in the long run because a, a new tr- a kind of a new trend is the teams that win the Stanley Cup now they all the players get get the uh, they, they uh, what are they I don't want to call it towels because it's like more like scarves almost they get, like, I know what you're talking about they drape yeah. over their shoulders anyway so they kind of cover up the part where the patches are anyway right but it's like did like would you want like do you want those pictures to be you know advertising opportunities here's the captain here's the stanley cup logo and oh by the way the ad's over here so that you like don't clutter how about don't clutter up the captaincy thing clutter up the ad and you know and and and, you know all that type of stuff but Uh, their argument is that you know 15 players don't have a a letter there but that's beside the point anywho all All right. right Let's let's circle over. We got a little bit of draft stuff, then we'll get out of here. Obviously, the draft is on Wednesday, and really the focus has been more on the deals and who is going this, that, what are we getting, what are the assets, what's Danny going to do, because obviously we've seen Danny being very, very active. He's making trades during the Stanley Cup finals. He's making other trades. He's trying to make (laughs) other trades three days before the draft. Um, But as we sit here, you know, we do actually have to talk about the players they may be selecting at some point here. Oh, yeah. If the Flyers stay at seven, 
Because obviously, as of right now, they have seven and twenty-two, um, with the potential to pick up twenty-five, twenty-nine, maybe some other stuff. You know, who knows what Danny's doing? But as of right now, I think we're mostly going to focus on this seven because that is the one that I think uh, we agree they're also most likely to use, uh, as opposed to maybe some other transactions elsewhere in the draft. Uh, if they stay at seven, are there any names you like here, Kevin? If they stay at seven, so. I the, think the right name away, I keep saying is Ryan Leonard. And I think that they really like Ryan Leonard. I don't know if he's the number one on the list, but I think they really like him. He was mentioned specifically at the pre-draft media availability. Uh, I absolutely believe that there is something to it, right? Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Zach Benson. I think that Benson fits the – I mean, let's put it this way. You can do a lot worse than making your first pick – as close to a carbon copy of yourself as possible right pick the small guy who scores um but but i do like his skill set and i do think that there was a lot of um russ cohen noted this and also i want to make sure i shout that out as well because he pointed it out they didn't mention benson by name okay which may be tactical because you're trying to deflect on coming right out and saying i'm super interested in this guy Right. Like you're kind of trying to not give away. Hey, I really like this player. I would take him. Right. You don't tell people what your playbook says. Right. And and, and I think that like it, it, j- just generally speaking, if you go through a lot of these, you know, through go through mock drafts, go through draft guides, that kind of stuff. Most of them are pretty consistent in terms of where the top four goes and then beyond. So like. It's pretty much no secret the top four are going to end up being a combination. Well, Bedard first, and then a combination of Fantilli, Carlson, and Smith probably. Drafts don't often have a wild card like Matt Vaymichkov in them. Um, well, I know, and that, he, I was about could, to get there. He could go as high as second or third, more likely third between the two. He could go as low as who knows, eleventh, twelfth. Honestly, if things start sliding, he could do the um, Joe Valino and go all the way to thirty. Um, Matthew Mitchkoff is a fascinating prospect. I don't think he slips any further than eight at most because I I agree. Wa- Washington seems like they're going to be all over that if they get the chance. Um, listen, the Flyers well, so you, should be too. Honestly. You've heard you've heard the Yager story, right? That yes, the story that the Yager story is that everybody was intent on potentially picking him. He told everybody he wasn't going to come over, and then told the Penguins, "Pick me, I'll come." He talked the first five, four teams he talked to. He told them it would be at least a couple of years. He doesn't know when he's coming. He told the Penguins, "If you draft me, I'll be there." Right, and the Penguins drafted him. And I, I wonder. I wonder if somebody else had said, never mind, we're picking well, anyway. No, 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 no. I wonder if Matt Vemichkov has had similar conversations. I wonder if he um, has a team in mind. And, and we've heard about the Washington Capitals. Obviously, there's the Russian connection there. Uh, but we also don't know. This is a kid, he's 17 years old. His father passed away this year. He has clearly, you know, gone through a lot. Maybe he's not ready to come over. Maybe it does take him a couple of years. Or maybe he's just waiting for the Washington Capitals to pick him or somebody else. I don't, yeah, I don't know about that specifically. The, look, the Flyers, at the very least, need to do due do diligence here. And I'm sure and, they have. Well, they're, they, they, yeah. 
Briere said they intend to interview him and meet with him. So okay. I, I fully imagine that that is going to, if it hasn't already, is going to take place. Although I'm sitting here looking at the last 24 to 30 hours and going, I don't know when you're supposed Who to knows? get a meeting in when you're on your phone all day. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Because um, I'm sure that Danny Briere is on his phone as much as everybody else is refreshing all day. Oh, and yeah. It's like that, right? Um, but so what I kind of look at with that is, is and, and I wondered this, I kind of hinted this to you last week, we, we, we really didn't do a lot of draft talk last week, is that now that they have a second pick in the first round, are they more willing to take a bigger swing with the first one at seven? And I don't, you know, again, I kind of hinted at this earlier in this show, um, that I don't know if you go and try to figure out a way to move up higher because you want him, like... I don't think you need like I don't think you should get into a bidding war with Washington, even I if he's totally that agree. even if he's that good of a player, just to figure out how you can sacrifice more picks to get just one to go to five higher. or whatever. To go right. to, well, realistically, to probably go to six because there seems to be a lot of consistency about how the top five again is going to be Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Smith, and then there's a lot of talk about potentially Leonard at five. There's been talk about Benson at five. There's been talk about defenseman, uh, the, the defenseman Reinbacher going at five. And, okay. I, you know, I don't think I would go. I, if the Flyers are really going to do what I think they need to do, I think the best player available is going to be a forward of some kind. That's, okay. nothing, ag- that's nothing against Reinbacher. It's just I think the best player available is going to be a forward. And I think that they Such know. Such a good player, though. He's going to be such a good player, Ryan Reinbacher. Oh, oh I just God. don't know if I, I just don't know if I do it at seven because, like, I think that there's that many good forwards. Like, I think that they're right. That, that much, it's that forward heavy. Um, but, but that's the thing. Like, I think I think you have to strongly consider Mishkov because because not. You know, and I'll tell you another reason why. I don't think he makes it to you. Oh, I don't. I kind of don't either. And if and if he doesn't, then let it play out that way. Right. Because like. Would you really be stunned if Columbus, if Yarmo Kekalainen took him at three? Um, Would yeah, you be a little. stunned? Re- really? A okay. little. No, a little. Because, because I think somewhere deep down, Columbus thinks, you know, okay, c- because it's the three-year factor. Assuming he's got to honor the three years of the contract he has in the KHL, I don't think Columbus wants to sit on a three-year timeline with Gaudreau and Line and... I don't necessarily. What they're trying to add. I don't necessarily know if they sit on it for three years. You what? You think there's a way that it's it, it, he's an asset earlier? Well, no, 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 no. He's an oh, asset. But I don't they, think they like, sit on the asset for three years. If he's not willing to come over, you move him. But then who's going to want him if it becomes a headache? I think a lot of people know that he's the second best player in this draft. And I don't know for sure if he is. Obviously, Adam Fantilli. It's close. A lot of good play- There's a lot of good players. But given what Matt Mitchkoff has done against the competition he's done it against, yeah, I'm willing to say he's the second best player in this draft. And the biggest, if, okay, if he decided he was coming over to the States and he wasn't leaving, he literally left his passport in Russia and just decided I'm staying here. Mm-hmm. I think he goes in the top three, for sure. I can, I can Probably see, second. I can see that. I, like, obviously, that's not the case, though. No, but I like I like I think that the, the, every possibility exists with him. Like, there's it would make total sense if somebody said in the top five, "Let's pick him." Yarmo Kekalainen takes big fat swings, and this is a he does a guy, take big fat swings, but 
This is, I feel like Yarmo Kekalainen's strategy is always to get the highest skilled player in Columbus for as long as possible. And getting that Vemichkov, again, even whether it's the player that you intend on using at some point or the asset that you intend on turning into other assets. Well, then I, I want you to just, I want you to consider one other thing then with this. Yeah. Because it, it's probably pretty, like, again, I think it's obvious Mishkov's not going to play this year. In the NHL, I mean. Like, he'll play, he's going to play in like AHL. Um, Bedard's obviously going to play NHL. Obviously. Fantilli's talked about going back to Michigan. I would so be surprised I don't, if he did. I don't, right, so I don't know that he's playing NHL next year, which leads me to believe that there's potential that for as good as the draft is advertised to be, that there is potential that only, like, that it may be That we Bedard, don't see it this year very well, no, much. That it may, be, it may be Bedard. And what, you know, what happens if someone says Carlson's ready? You know what you know, I mean? Like, somebody from the top 10, outside of number one, there's usually somebody from the top 10 who ends up cracking a roster. I just, I'm just trying to figure out which one it would be, though. Like, I mean, like, I don't know which team it would end up being in this case. Like, what, what if, if Arizona... Are were you telling take... me San Jose is not icing whoever they draft? No, because I think San Jose is taking Smith and he's going to college. That's fair. That's, that's fair. That, that's that's the biggest issue. It's not a matter of that they're it's not the availability. Ready. It, well, it's not even that. It's not that they're. It's not that they're not willing to ice the player potentially. I think it's that there's so many of these U.S. college commit kids in the top ten, fifteen. Like that. I don't know. If that Mon- I think. If I think Montreal are, does end up taking um, Ryan, uh, Ryan, Ryan Bacher. Okay. Like, you're telling me he can't make that team nowadays? No, that's one that I could see potentially happening. I just, I don't know why, like, I don't get the sense he's getting taken that high. I mean, if he does, then I I, I, I know it's not unheard of. Like, I know I know Montreal seems like they have a likeness for him. I'm not saying that at all. Well, but, and he's he's big for that team. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, But, so, all right, so we're obviously... But okay, so if Mitch like, Cobb's there at seven, are you taking him? If you're Danny Briere and Mitch Cobb's sitting there... And you're at I seven. Mean, I'm not saying trading up assets to get him. No, I know. I think. I think that. Look, I we're not going to know exactly what's said in the meeting with him, but if he can calm your nerves enough about, like, if he doesn't say anything that he's coming red, eventually. Well, if he well if he doesn't spark any red flags that make you think there's going to be problems, I think you have to strongly consider it because you if he get, if he somehow or other gets to you, I don't know how you're supposed to let that go. Right. That's the problem. I mean. You're looking for game changers, and I'm not trying to sit here and say that the average guy who goes at seven couldn't be. Benson could be a future superstar. Leonard could be a future. You never know. Those right. are and those are guys that could be around there. And then you've got a handful of others. I'll throw out a couple other names really quick. Um, Dvorsky has yeah. been one that's been out there. Oliver Moore's been out there a little bit. Um, those are guys I think you have to like. You're going to give some attention to, and then you know, sure. I mean. It gets really interesting after that because, like that that teen like that teenish area, like, and this is this is something to watch for, by the way, because I, I do want to make sure that we don't. Well, I was going to ask you how many flyers, how many draft picks do the Flyers end up with in the first round? I'm going to set the over under at two and a half. I would take the over there. I think that somehow or other, in the next three days, they end up with another first based on what they're see, working on. See, I'm still going to take the under because I do think they're going to end up with another first, but I think you trade up. I see. I, I you know what I I I lean the opposite way. 
You'd rather trade down and get some seconds. And it's not that I'd rather. It's not that. I, it's not that I'd rather. It's that's I. Could, you think they're going to? I think that's a strong possibility. I mean, listen, the cupboard is bare, right? There are not a whole lot of high end prospects in the fire system. I mean, okay, I, I wouldn't be sad no, about no. it. Okay, I want you. Let, let me do something really quick because I'm I'm looking at like I'm obviously looking at a prospect list for a second to kind of go over names really quick. But yeah, let me just confirm as you know because the whole draft order was out. So just let me confirm something really quick for the whole draft and kind of just put this into perspective as we kind of get to the second, you know, not the second round, but towards into the second pick area and things like that because because I'm just thumbing through here just to try to figure out where, you know, kind of where some other picks are. All right. I mean, it's that's the same spot, but. But all right, but for all intents and purposes, let's just start there. If you're the Flyers and you get somehow or other get a third first round pick from another team, whether it's St. Louis or otherwise, right? Um so now let's just say hypothetically speaking, you have twenty nine. If Washington wants Mishkov that badly, do you let them trade the spot and see how desperate they are, which would include the 40th or yeah, 40th overall pick. Oh yeah. And then give yourself eight and three more by the top 40. Absolutely. I would do that. I don't know if they would. Um, but yeah, I would absolutely. No, cause like that. I, my, and I, I don't know that they would either because my intention is kind of more along the lines of you start to look for the other teams that have another pick to give, so to speak. Like, um, like you get to, this isn't a team with a third first round pick, but you get to where, like, if, if you get to Arizona territory and you say, listen, Ar- Arizona trade up from 12 to seven, and you could end up with, uh, they, ha- they also have, so then you could end up down at 12 and also get 38. You know, that's, that's a possibility. Um, I believe there's one more. I mean, Depending on how long the St. Louis saga goes on for, could you play that card and say, hey, listen, we'll drop three spots to 10. Give us 25 while you're at it, or 29. That If that's how much it's worth to you to get three spots difference. You know what I mean? Like, you got you to gotta start looking for the teams that have something more than just... Either that or it's the teams that you start to look at and you go, okay, if you're a team like Nashville at 15, you have a pick at 24 that you could talk about or you could also grab one of their two second rounders that they have back to back at 46 and 47 and say so give us 15 and 46. Right. I think yeah. that but but I think that's your common goal, correct? Like sure. play with that top 10ish range of the second round and say can we get back in for something like that? Well, because and it also depends on who's on your list, who you've oh, looked right. at, who you've liked, where they're going to go. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into the draft, and Danny Breer has only had the keys for about six weeks. Well, and I, this, I know he was with no, the team, but and this is where well, this is where I was going with it because when you start to get into the teen range, you really get into some interesting names, especially if you do have two picks in the first right. round later on. I mean, Tom Willander's one. He's a defenseman. If he's he, a Swedish defenseman, no less, playing in the S- SHL, so that's pretty high marks already. Um, if that's a name that is available, that's, you know, and once you get into the 20s, I'd be jumping all over that. Um, 
Gabriel Perot is one who I would keep an eye on. I think he'll be long gone by the 20s, but you got to keep an eye on it depending on what the lists are. Um, Quentin Musty is another good name uh, to keep an eye out for. Um, But there's there's a couple that I see that kind of – look, they could go anywhere from 15 to 25, let's just say, hypothetically. I mean, and they could go anywhere else too. I don't want to make it seem like it's whatever, but – Dmitry Simashev is a is a name that I think is going to be very popular among the defenseman market. I, I he may turn like uh, listen, Reinbacher could turn out to be exactly what you think he's going to be. There's a lot of people who also kind of think that he could be Simashev could be the best one to come out of this thing. Okay. Defensively. Um so I would definitely look at him. Um there was one more or at least one or two more that I wanted to get in there before we were done as okay. well. Um Gavin Brindley, who's a Michigan product, I think would be a really good pickup in the twenties. Um, and, and you can go down like th- there's lists beyond that. Charlie Strammel's a good one. That's a Wisconsin kid. Um, Callum Ritchie, who's a center for Oshawa in the mm. OHL. I like yeah. his game a lot. Um, I saw who was one. I again, and this is going to be another guy who I think is long gone by then. But we're, if you're playing the, if he drops, let's see what happens, kind of thing. Uh, I do think that you have to keep an eye out in the event that um, that either Braden Yeager, who's a who's a center in the WHL, or or Colby Barlow, who's a winger in the OHL. Those okay. I think they're I, I mean I think they're going top fifteen. If, okay. I, if I'm being honest, like like I could see that, but 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 you but but see, this is the thing. But we've seen Stranger Things happen. They could oh. trade up. Like there's all sorts of possibility we've, for what could. We've happen seen Stranger Things happen with teams' lists. And what if you do get a second, first round pick that's in the twenties and and start thinking, hey, this this guy's still hanging around at seventeen. I got to find a way to put something together, and that's what you use. I could see that. Like yeah. that becomes way more of a realistic possibility. So. And that's listen. That's just the first round. I do think yep. they have. I mean, right now as we speak, and again, things obviously subject to change all over the place potentially. Sure. Um, they have ten picks in the draft. They have the two in the first round, and then they don't pick again until the third round. But they have eight picks on day two. Um, yep. I know that they didn't. I mean, they didn't exactly give a super definitive answer when saying this, but I, I stand by what I said last week and agree this week. I think that there is a strong possibility that they will take a goalie in one, on day two. Okay. Um, I do think as you start to get into the range of um, maybe getting into a spot where you draft by, more by positional need than you do. I mean, it doesn't happen frequently, and I think they'll stick to their list, but I think that based on – like not based on that, but it's like – I, I just can see them maybe scattering some of the picks to try to make sure they get a few defensemen in, make sure they get some other forwards. And the, the, one of the big things you got to do from rounds three to seven, once you get to the day two portion of this, is you got to start coming up with some finds. Yeah, you got to start stuck, coming you're up stuck with guys. In your cupboard. You're setting the groundwork. You're starting to kind of build your future. But you got to hope that somewhere in eight picks on day two, that that one maybe one of the third rounders or something like you, you know, pop a gem. That well, yeah. I mean, like you're you're looking to find your Braden Point, your Jamie Ben, your you know whatever, like somebody who you get way down the line that you don't think is going to be like you're you're not thinking NHL regular maybe right off the bat. You're thinking project at the beginning, and the project, especially considering all of the other stuff, 
you know, with the development side of things. I, right. And that's like, what I was going to mention is that this, I, obviously we've already seen the Dan, or the Ivan Provorov trade out of Danny Briere, but this draft and obviously all that goes around that is kind of his first big test as the GM. Uh, and we've talked about kind of the longer term stuff about the player development and what he does over a long period of time. Uh, but this is Danny Briere's first real crack at changing the roster. You know, we saw yeah. the Ivan Provorov trade, and that changed the roster, but not as much as it's going to change over the next week. Oh yeah, uh, the the we're gonna like I mentioned earlier, we're gonna be back in about ten days. We're looking at shortly after the fourth for our next show, and it's going to be a different Flyers roster. There's going to be trades. There's going to be the draft. It's it's going to be very different. Yeah, I. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff. Uh, I will really quick before we get out of here. Yeah. Hit any of the most recent stuff. There's not really anything concrete. Okay. But but if you're trying to play the read between the lines game just a little bit, um, there's not really a follow up to the whole movement on Tory Krug and the no move clause thing. But if you happen to check out Tory Krug's Twitter profile right now, apparently. He has removed all references of the St. Louis Blues from his bio. He had a cover picture that apparently involved something with the Blues. That is gone. And one of his most, if not his most, huh. his, and his most recent like is from six hours ago. It's, in a, it's from the NHL's check site. And, and it's it the says, David Pasternak. David Pasternak would like his friend Tori Krug to return to Boston. It's David Pasternak retweeting, bring Tori home. Well, now so, I don't, I don't read too much into Twitter likes, typically speaking, and I'm not here either, but that's very interesting. So let me just, because uh, Dan, Dan Silver, who is part of the OMB podcast, which I've gone on several times. Great guy. Um, brought this up for those like for those looking to cling to any glimmers of hope he removed any references from the blue uh, to the blues on, oh i'm sorry hold on on twitter and instagram within the past few hours um there used to be a blues background take this how you will maybe yeah, there's no background no, now no take this as you will maybe he's just mad at them which is a very valid point honestly you know but, fair but you know <laughs> what if it's more than that but okay one more quick thing to clear not clear the air but one more quick thing because i saw a lot of people who were trying to sit there and say that this this all this stuff and all this information that's up in the air and all these hypotheticals and speculation and things and leaking and all that stuff like that is really showing the inexperience of the flyers front office that this much no. not whatever no 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 i think that i'm sorry first of all the first reports came out of st louis to begin with number 1 and number 2 i i just don't like this happens all the time yeah. Stuff like this happens all the time. Well, and it also does seem as though most of the genesis of this story is leaking out of the St. Louis side as opposed to the Philadelphia Flyers side. Don't get me wrong. I think that there's plenty of elements of it that are coming from the Flyers side. But and I, like, honestly, maybe maybe one more last quick reference to the crossing broad to Anthony Sanfilippo story. Yep. Um, just for the purpose of bringing this back around, because. He was talking about checking with sources in both areas. So people on both sides know information. They will give it. That's how these things That's how work. sources work, right. Well, and not only that, but sources don't always mean people in the front office. Sources nope. also can mean agents. Yep. So if a player agent is trying to tell you, hey, 
this guy is possibly in the deal. Or like, like here's a perfect example, and I don't know this off the top of my head, so I'm just throwing it out there as a hypothetical. If you're trying to get information about which St. Louis defenseman is the one with the no-move clause that's in the deal, how, how easy is it for a, a, a reporter in St. Louis to be able to confirm with Nick Letty's agent or Colton Pareko's agent and say, is it? It's not, it's not him, is it? Well, or to at least get an answer. Or, or maybe sometimes that can come without prompting, by the way, that you can speculate, well, they've got this many guys with no move clauses. There's a defenseman in the deal. And then and somebody just get steps, a tweet. And some, or no, you and just get a text. Right, and then somebody steps forward and goes, it's not Nick Letty. It's not Pareko. Right. Or they don't say that. They just they can just say, it's not my guy. Right. And then you'll know who they're talking about. And that's sure. how you cross it off the list. And that's how you feel comfortable reporting something like that. But. But that's uh, like we'll see where it goes. I, I, you know, listen. It could be either. It could mean either thing. Um, we'll see. I mean, yeah. it, it's I, 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 The two words I left you with last week were "buckle up," and boy, did I apparently mean it without you knowing what's going to happen. I say that again for this week until we yep. talk again because buckle up. It's it. It's not well. And here's the thing: it very much is a roller coaster ride right now that they're having you buckle up on because oh yeah, the last 24 hours were a kind of slow incline from Kevin Hayes to all of this. That that's the top of the hill where the drop comes in, and you're now sailing. You're just it's yep. a rush for and, a certain period of time, and then it kind of just goes quiet for a little while. Like sure. it's been, and it, like it has been. And it's, but, it, but in the meantime, we're on the high, we're riding the ride. And if you want to go along for that ride, you can follow us on Twitter at YWT podcast. Make sure to also follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Um, you can find us anywhere you find your show. Like I said earlier, we will be back in about 10 days. We will have a lot of coverage for you. We'll have all the post draft. I assume there's going to be more some more pre-draft activities. We'll have pre-draft, we'll have post-draft, we'll have free agency. Insane. We probably won't have new jerseys, but we'll have everything else in the meantime. <laughs> this is Danny Briere's first real test, and on our next show, we will give him a grade for what he's done so far. I'll throw hopefully, that out here. Yeah, hopefully, because uh, I, there's a lot of things up in the air right now, and I so, kind of would like some resolutions yep. sooner or later. And so far, he's got a good track record. I think we both liked the Ivan Provorov trade, but can he keep it up? And we'll be back in about a week and a half to figure it out. So in the meantime, like I said, follow us on the socials. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We're really trying to grow over there. Um, you find us anywhere you find your podcast: Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, SportsFoxPhilly.com. We're everywhere. Uh, in the meantime, Kevin, it's distraction season. We're all in. We'll yeah. see ya. We'll see ya. <laughs> <laughs>